The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. My name is Gil Franzdahl. So uh, as people are still coming in, I'll tell you the least important part of this course, and that is a little bit about me. Uh, So I have uh, been a... uh, meditating since I was 20 and uh, have been uh, involved in Buddhism since I was 21 and uh, started getting serious about it when I was, when I graduated from college, when I was, well in college I was pretty serious about it but then when I graduated from college I went to uh, live near a Zen center and then San Francisco Zen center and then after some months I went to live at Zen center and after a few months, I went to live at Zen Center's monastery. And after a couple of years, I became ordained as a Zen monk. And after another couple of years, I went to Japan to practice in the monasteries there. And while I was there, I uh, had an occasion to go to Thailand to practice the Buddhism of Thailand. And that's where I was, I was introduced to the kind of Buddhism we teach here at the IMC. Uh, it's uh, and the particular form of practice we teach here, uh, usually called mindfulness meditation or insight meditation, is uh, comes from the Buddhism of Burma, Thailand, Sri Lanka, and from those places. And I was a monk there as well, in Burma for a while. And after a good number of years of doing intensive Buddhist practice, I came back to this country, and uh, in order to go to graduate school to study, of all things, uh, Buddhist studies. And uh, that brought me to Stanford. In uh, 1990, I came to Stanford to do a PhD in Buddhist studies. And when I uh, arrived uh, to Stanford, at the same time that I was starting to train to become an insight teacher, a teacher in this tradition, and there was a small sitting group in Palo Alto at that time, and they learned that I was around. They asked me to come and be the teacher for their group. And that was maybe 12, 15 people who met on a Monday night. And that group then slowly grew over the time. And it grew until uh, we moved from Palo Alto to here. We bought this building in, 19, in 2001. And we moved in here in 2002. And, and then we've uh, been thriving here, continue to grow and develop. It's been very nice. Um, and, um, and it's been one of the great uh, joys of my life that uh, I've been able to share a practice and a teaching that have been very meaningful for me with a lot of people. And I never would have imagined that, uh, in, ever, that so many people would come to an intro to meditation class. So I, I welcome you all, and uh, I'm, and um, it is actually one of my favorite things that I do here at IMC is to teach this intro class. And um, somehow there's something about it that uh, I find very meaningful. And one of the things that's nice, both is sharing something I love is always nice, but it's also, uh, it's, you know, the, uh, the beginning practice is not really that different than the advanced practice. So I, I'm still trying to understand it. <laughs> I've taught this class for years and years, and I'm still, every time I teach it, I'm kind of like trying to see if I understand a little bit better as I'm teaching it. So I love that. It's lovely. And uh, if we're lucky, I'll be surprised by what I say. Hopefully it's in a good way. Oh, that's a nice idea. So maybe you'll think of that too. I hope so. hope you enjoy this class. So this is a five-week course. 
an introduction to mindfulness meditation. There are many kinds of meditation. I'd like to kind of a little bit lightly say that uh, if, if uh, someone tells you, you medit- tells you they meditate and you ask, well, you know, um, you know, what kind of meditation or something, um, there are as many meditations, kinds of meditations that are sports. So if someone says, I do sports, it doesn't say much. Right? Someone says, I meditate. For, for someone like me, it doesn't say much. <laughs> no, okay. Um, there's many different kinds. And the particular kind that we do is called mindfulness meditation. And that meditation has become quite popular. And in fact, I suspect that some of you are, have already done what's called a mindfulness-based stress reduction course. Is that right, some of you? Done that? Some shit? And um, in, the, in hospitals uh, around the Bay Area, uh, they offer, uh, in a kind of clinical setting, an eight-week course in what's called mindfulness-based stress reduction, where someone uh, about 30 years ago, uh, 35 years ago, took this practice of mindfulness and repackaged it, took out the Buddhism part, and then offered in a very secular clinical setting. And it's been very successful and spread many hospitals all over the country. So um, uh, the mindfulness practice we teach here and the way I offer this course is uh, we offer it in the context of a Buddhist center and Buddhist teachings, but the Buddhism part is not really needed. So if you hear the B word and it doesn't work for you, you can just leave that alone. Just you know, forget that. And, you know, it's not that important. What's important is the, a very simple practice. And the practice uh, is uh, not something esoteric. It isn't like you know, because it came from Burma or these, India or these places that it's some deep mystical tradition. Uh, it's taking something that's completely ordinary human capacity and strengthening it, developing it. And the ordinary hu- human capacity we're developing is the capacity to pay attention, to be aware. And uh, it's a little bit my karma that I'm doing this because in my adult life, because my mother kept telling me growing up, Gil, pay attention. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I, I took getting to be an adult, I finally understood how to do that. So it's taking the simple capacity we have and then developing it so it becomes heightened. And the and heightened attention uh, is a wonderful key to all kinds of benefits in our lives. Um, certainly stress reduction, uh, certainly um, self-understanding, certainly deep levels of peace and calm. Uh, for many people, it opens up doors of love and compassion. Uh, and, for, and for, you know, in the Buddhist purpose of this practice, is ultimately awakening or enlightenment, a radical liber- experience of liberation. And uh, the practice is not that different. Diff- diff- you know, if you do it, if you get into it and do it for a long time, it's not that diff- different than what I'm going to teach you here today. And the benefits from it, I hope that you'll, by the end of this five weeks, you'll appreciate that the benefits of mindfulness come from a moment of mindfulness. That it just, it's worthwhile just for that moment to be present for your experience, to be here in a strong way. Uh, it's also nice if you understand that uh, as you practice, there isn't some momentum that gets built and the strength of that mindfulness grows over time and that strength of mindfulness translates a strength of stability, being centered, being concentrated and having insight in a way that's liberating and freeing, uh, both in an ordinary way and perhaps in a very profound way. So what I'll do this, uh, these five weeks is introduce you to this practice of mindfulness. And we do it systematically. 
So what, what that means is that each week builds on the week before. And uh, the idea is to learn how to bring attention, a certain kind of attention, kind of a high-quality attention, to all aspects of our lives. Uh, and, uh, and only then is it really applicable to all aspects of our life. And those, uh, so the first, today, um, we're going to do a very simple meditation about uh, posture and breathing. Just to, that's the foundation to get settled, to quiet down. Next week, we're going to do, uh, I'll teach you about mindfulness of the body. Uh, becoming embodied, uh, uh, using the body as an important uh, home for mindfulness practice uh, is uh, really a key part of Buddhism. The, the, the being embodied, being connected to your body is central to Buddhist spirituality in a way that you would not realize if you only read books about Buddhism. The books about Buddhism seem kind of intellectual, uh, but, um, and you can get a PhD if you take that route too far. But, uh, the, um, but you know, to really be in your body and be connected is a very important part of it. And, it becomes an, and then being connected to your body, knowing how to be mindful of what goes on in your body, becomes a foundation we're becoming mindful of emotions. And so the third week, we'll be talking about mindfulness, how it applies and is used for our emotional life. And then um, with the foundation of the body and your emotions, then you're ready for the fourth week, which is mindfulness of thinking. And uh, many people spend a, t- a tremendous amount of time in their thinking mind. And that's sometimes that's where people have, uh, you know, parked. You know, they're parked there for years. And... Um, and that's all they know. But to really, uh, and some people struggle with thinking in meditation, the, um, but it, uh, you, you can more, much more effectively be mindful of thinking and not be caught by it if you know how to be mindful of your body and not be mindful of emotions. And you'll understand why as we get into this over, the, over these weeks. And then the last week, the fifth week, uh, kind of the culmination of it all, hopefully it'll all come together, all these different pieces that are building and then uh, we'll talk more about how this gets applied into our rest of our life, our daily life, and also how to deepen it so that, so that uh, some of the deeper potential of this practice is, you know, at least you know about it, and it might be interesting for you and motivating for you to continue. Pretty much uh, what I do for this course is uh, teach mindfulness in the context of meditation practice. And, um, uh, but uh, most of the things I'll be teaching... Uh, are applicable to bring attention to all areas of our life, our regular life as well. And in fact, that's really the goal, is not just to keep mindfulness in the domain of meditation, but to uh, be able to have a higher quality attention uh, to our lives, to have a higher quality life as we go about our life and, and are more attentive, more present for our experience. So... Um, What else to say as an introduction? Um, at the end of the day, evening, there are a few people here who uh, are receiving training and doing some teaching and mentoring who are, c- came both to, kind of, both to be available to you um, to, um, at the end. There's so, so many of you. And if you want to ask questions or talk to someone who's practiced uh, for some years, uh, what did Gil say? What did he mean? Uh, you don't want to ask me. You can ask them. <laughs> Or if, you know, so I'll, I'll introduce the, uh, those at the end if you want to stay and just chat with them. The um, everything everything that's offered here at IMC is offered freely. Uh, we never charge for anything here, and um, 
and we usually don't say anything about that, but since most of you are new, I thought I should tell you that. Um, there is a, a, what we call a donation box by the door. It has two slots. And if you would like to make a donation to support what we do here, uh, one slot is for the operations of this place, and the other is a, a slot is for the teacher, whoever's teaching at a particular time, and today would be me. And, um, and um, that's as you wish. So what else to say? Oh, parking. Uh, so when you come here, I know that parking is, uh, when so many people come, it's a little hard. So if, if you come back next week, so I, I'd encourage you to come a little early. And those of you who are uh, really fit and good and all that, park further away to allow the people who are a bit more challenged to walk uh, to park closer. And, and also if you're early, then um, it's good to walk. And, uh, and that people, the people who are running late find a place close by. Isn't that nice? an act of generosity. The, um, and also, uh, pay extra careful attention with um, driveways. Because uh, two or three times over the last 10 years, someone for the intro class, maybe because they were running late or something, didn't notice they parked in a driveway and, and the car wasn't there when they came out, came out. So that's, you know, makes for an adventure. And then also, don't, there's no, uh, don't park in the parking lots of the you know, the medical facilities around here, they've asked us not to park there. So um, we don't want to have, uh, we want to maintain good relationships with our neighbors. So, meditation. The image of meditation that many people have is like the image of the Buddha here sitting cross-legged on the floor. And uh, it's a great way to sit here because uh, one of the benefits of sitting cross-legged is it brings you a low center of gravity. And you kind of feel more rooted. You feel more, I, th- I think people feel more solid, wide base, hold you upright in a nice way. And it's not, not necessary to sit in a chair, but the sense of being here, stable, rooted, is so important to try to kind of develop for yourself because of how easy it is for the mind to wander off in thought. And when we meditate a little while, uh, many of you will be surprised uh, by how uh, busy your mind is, how whirling your mind is, how out of control your mind is. And in that context, uh, when that happens, some people uh, will get very quickly get discouraged uh, because you know, you're, you're trying to do something, you're trying to be in the present moment, and you can't because you're thinking about something other times, other places. And I want to say at the outset that um, you don't need to be discouraged. That uh, the, uh, the very insight that your mind is out of control is a great beginning. Congratulations. It's like the first big insight. And it's a lot better to know you have a mind that's out of control than to have a mind that's out of control and not know it. So just feel happy. And then, because one of the things we're trying to do with mindfulness meditation, with mindfulness, is to learn how to be relaxed about what is. Not just to be aware of what is, but be relaxed about what is. It doesn't, doesn't mean we condone it or think that we have to sit through uh, you know, a tremendous amount of physical pain. But we want to uh, learn how to be at ease with what is. 
And so if you have a busy mind or mind that can't do the meditation practice, don't worry whatsoever. This is a process. It's a slow learning process where we learn slowly to pay attention, slowly to arrive, slowly to be here. In a, in a, and you'll see it develops slowly over time, this whole thing. Um, uh, but you, your body helps you. And the physical body to take a posture that's a little bit intentional that expresses attention. Uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, little babies who are, sit, are sitting on the floor kind of this way. And you can sometimes see that in their, in their, if they don't wear, if they're not wearing a shirt, you know. Uh, some, I've seen photographs like this. That you see that their spine, even if you didn't see their head, just a picture of their spine or saw their spine, you'd see that they were attentive. They were really there and attentive and, you know, they were like, they're here. You know, it's really nice. And um, so the idea is to, with your body. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the posture of meditation. And then we'll take a minute to stretch. Uh, and then you can come and try taking the posture. And then we'll do a, a little uh, guided meditation together. So um, uh, you can sit either in a chair or on a floor. For those of you, uh, you know, who are sitting in the chair, uh, it might be nice for you to know that in Buddhist lore, the next Buddha will be sitting in a chair. <laughs> so the last Buddha had this, right? But, you know. The, um, uh, the, um, so I'll say first some words about sitting on the floor, sitting cross-legged. It's, it's, we say sitting cross-legged, but it's actually better not to sit cross-legged unless, unless you're really limber and open. And, um, and I like what is called the Burmese fashion or Taylor fashion, where one leg is in front of the other. So no crossing at all. So like you can see how I'm sitting here. Um, my right lower leg is flat on the mat. And my lower left leg is behind that, flat on the mat. So they're not, actually cr- not, cro- not crossing, but just like this. That puts the least amount of torque on the knees and hips and ankles. So it's a little bit more easy to sit this way. It's also a little more balanced. You know, if you sit uh, half lotus, you know, put one leg up like this, it tends to tip you a little bit, stretch you a little bit more on one side than the other. Um, it's also helpful to uh, sit on a cushion, not, fit, not, not to sit flat on the floor. And there's all kinds of cushions you can sit on. These round ones are the most common ones. Uh, like I have here, and and the idea is to elevate yourself so it's easier to get your knees down. Because if you knee, get your knees down, then you have a stable base. Uh, and so if you're really uh, tight in the hips, you want to sit higher and get more elevation. If you're really loose in the hips, you want to sit lower. And the reason for the, the um, to get just the right height is that you want to have the natural curvature in your lower back. If you're flat there or pushed out in your lower back, that builds up a strain over time. And if you're overarched, it puts, builds a strain. So you want to have just a li- the natural arch supporting you there so you can keep your torso upright and balanced. Uh, some people find that uh, they, uh, they can't sit this way very well or the one, their knees are up like this. Then it's nice to get uh, you know, a blanket or a pillow or something and put underneath and just support, support your, your knees so that it's not dangling. Uh, there's also other kinds of uh, ways of sitting. There's uh, a gentleman there has a bench. Could you lift up the bench? Oh, there's a... No? Yeah, so... <laughs> so uh, that's a, um, so a bench. So, so you would sit down uh, on your knees. Uh, it would be kind of above your lower legs, and you'd sit down on top of it. And that's a nice way of sitting. 
And, um, and then uh, if you're sitting in a chair, the idea is to have your knees uh, at the same height as your hips or slightly lower. Uh, because if your if your hip if your knees are higher than your hips, it pushes out the lower back. So uh, slightly have the hips slightly knees slightly lower than the hips is often quite good. And then um, the classic uh, instruction is to have the uh, legs straight out, uh, parallel to each other, with right angles at the knee more or less, uh, and the, both feet firmly on the floor. So you wouldn't cross your legs when you're meditating on the chair. You would you know. You would just have your... So the soles of the feet are flat on the ground. Some people feel more stable if they have their um, knees further out, so a wide kind of base like that. Uh, some people, um, if you're really tall, and then, so, you know, these kinds of chairs here, sometimes it's good to build some more height uh, for you. And if you're short, sometimes it's good to get a, a, a cushion underneath your feet so you feel stability and strong if you, so you reach properly. The... Um, um, with both ways of sitting on the floor or sitting on the chair, it, uh, you, uh, there's a little trick of the trade, and that is you can take your hands on either side of your hips and either push yourself off the floor, off the, off the seat of the chair, so that your, your chest comes out. And then as you let go of your arms, let go of your, let go, there, you let your shoulders roll back. And if you do that, you probably feel more open here. And it kind of helps the shoulders begin to relax in a nice way. And having an open chest, not puffed up and not forcing it open, but this kind of easy way this maybe sometimes creates, makes it easier to breathe and makes it easier to relax. It makes it easier to be in touch with yourself in some deeper way. The, um, um, you can do anything you want with your hands uh, so that both hands are kind of doing the same thing. The classic way is the way the Buddha's hands are there. It's uh, one hand on top of the other and sitting in front of you. So you kind of have a circle a little bit, oval with your arms and your hands. And uh, 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 it's a nice way of sitting. Uh, however, sometimes when you do that, it tends to, if you, if you sit this Burmese uh, tailor fashion, uh, the, the hands are resting on the ankle. It tends to sometimes pull the shoulders forward. And that puts a strain over time. And so if that you feel any pullings forward, it's sometimes nice to put something on your, on your ankle, on your heel, so you have your hands a little bit, hi- little bit higher, up, hold, held up, or as high as you know, good. And the same thing applies with, like I sit, with my hands on my, close to my knees. If you have your hands too far forward, it also tends to pull, pull you forward. And um, over time, it can build a strain. And so you want to have, pull your hands back. And the idea is you take your elbow, and your el- elbows are supposed to be along the sides of your, of your torso. Not in front like this, but just right there on the side, not behind, but right along the side. So whether it's like this or like this. And then the head should be on your shoulders, <laughs> um, but in a balanced way. Sometimes people um, you'll see, uh, uh, won't be aware of what they're doing with their head, some people will tip their head forward a lot. Uh, and when the, tip it, the head is tipped forward, the head is actually very heavy. And, uh, and, the, uh, and the muscles of your neck and along your spine, I have to work a lot to hold that heavy head up if you're out of balance, if you're not aligned and lined up properly, if you're forward, the center. 
And so, uh, if you want to, you know what, try not to lean forward with the head. Um, the, some people will tip their chin up, and uh, they say in the ancient text that if, you, if your chin is up, uh, it's much easier to start thinking a lot. And sometimes I think it's a symptom of thinking a lot, that the chin is kind of like, you know, poking around. And so they, the instructions are to tuck your chin down a little bit. So you don't tip your head forward, but very gently tuck, you know, tuck your chin down and in. And uh, some people will uh, have their head turned to one side or tipped to one side. And uh, in the long term, it's not very useful to do that. It's more balanced for the attention, for the head to be balanced. And so you might, uh, in the beginning of learning to meditate, uh, periodic, once in a while, kind of open your eyes and look and see where your gaze is. And, um, and if you find that you're looking, you know, over there at, you know, 10 o'clock, then, you know, past your shoulder, you know you're, you're not, you know, you're, you need to straighten out, look there straight ahead. So those are the basic idea of posture. There's all kinds of little details that can be worked out. I'm very aware that um, every, bo- every person's body is unique, and so because of that, there's not one posture that's the, post- the posture for people. Uh, so sometimes we can refine it. I, I'm happy to support you and offer you tips for that. The, some people... Um, and then the other thing important to know is that um, over time, if you take a good aligned posture that over time the body adapts. The muscles that are weak from not sitting well and good and upright become stronger and some of the places where tense and held begin to relax and let go. Um, I, read, I read a study many years ago that said that uh, one of the two most, uh, they say the two most relaxed postures that human beings can uh, take are either the corpse posture in yoga, which makes some sense, completely flat and laying down, but equally relaxing is the cross-legged upright sitting posture. There's something about this posture that allows so much of the muscles to relax that uh, even if you're slumped over, you can't relax so deeply. Or, so it's a very good posture to develop. If you're sitting in a chair, um, some people sit in a chair because their knees can't manage sitting on the floor. Uh, some people sit in a chair because their back needs support. So it's fine to have support if you need support. But if you don't need the back support, uh, don't rely on the backrest too much. Uh, s- uh, sit up straighter, maybe sit out a little bit away from the backrest. Don't use it at all if you can help it. There's something about um, becoming uh, spiritually or psychologically self-reliant, which is one of, the, one of the purposes of meditation, that is supported if you're physically self-reliant. And if you are leaning back, and some people lean back a lot and rely so much on that good backrest, and I just can go to sleep... And so to kind of, kind of emphasize, you know, that alertness, the baby spine that's so there, if you can. So make some sense? This? Okay, so why don't you um, uh, stand if you want, stretch and shake out your legs if you want, and then to embark on this meditation. I want to say that uh, mindfulness as a meditation practice is a noticing practice. It's simply to notice what's happening in the present moment. And so, uh, you know, so if you set up the goal to get really peaceful or get really concentrated or not to have a wandering mind at all, that's a different goal than simply noticing what is happening. So if you have a hard time 
being present, if your mind keeps wandering, and you notice that, you're doing the practice. As soon as you notice what's going on, you're doing the practice. Um, If you start saying to yourself, it's not working, (laughs) I can't do it, in order to be able to say that, you had to have noticed something. And so actually you were doing the practice. You were able to do it. So you can't get away from, you know, it's very hard to get away, it's very hard to not do this practice. <laughs> it's just noticing what's going on. And so there's any kind of, you know, feeling bad, I'm not working, it's too hard for me. Um, it's not necessary because, you, are, you know, you are doing it. So don't worry if you feel like it's hard. Just, be, just notice that. Oh, this is hard. Or this is not working. This is not going so well. Or it's not going the way I expected. Yes. Or the microphone out there doesn't working. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so what happens is... Um, yeah, so what happens... What's been happening the last couple of weeks is it's probably just around this time, after about f- talking about 35 minutes the outer speaker stops. And then after about two minutes, it comes back. So this is what we're just noticing, this time thing. It's right around this time. During the practice, you're noticing. I'm noticing. And so, you know, no one knows what it is. It's this gremlin in the machine. So I can try to speak louder or... The hearing system devices work. So you could, those of you who really want can out there can put those, you know, there's a whole bunch of them in the box there. Tom can show you where they are if you want. And then when the speaker comes back on, you can... And we'll turn it up a little bit louder in here. So maybe it can... So let's see, just turn the volume up a little bit and then, how's this now? Can, Can you hear out there? Do you think you can hear well enough? I'm sorry about this. We don't know. We don't know what it is. It's. They think it might be a loose wire in the speaker. So, to take an upright, alert posture, that also feels like it can be comfortable for maybe the next 15 minutes or so. And then gently close your eyes. And it's helpful when you start meditating to have a little startup procedure, a little bit like a ritual that helps you settle in and arrive here. And one of the good settling in techniques is to take a few long, slow, deep breaths. And as you take a deep breath in, feel your rib cage expand and your shoulders lift. And as you exhale more deeply, <clears throat> let your rib cage, your shoulders, your belly, let go, relax.
And then letting your breathing return to normal. Another nice thing to do at the beginning is to scan your body to just feel if there's any places of obvious holding that you can relax. So for example, you might be able to soften your forehead, the muscles of your face, jaws, Perhaps as you exhale, you can soften around your shoulders. And it can be particularly helpful to soften around the belly, to let the belly Hang forward and down, releasing the belly area to the pull of gravity. And then in order to settle the mind and start cultivating a higher sense of attention to the present, we use the rhythm of breathing in and breathing out in the present moment as a subject of the meditation. See if you can become aware of what it feels like in your body for you to be breathing. What are the movements in your body as you breathe? You might feel the movements of the belly, diaphragm. You might feel the movements of ribcage or your chest. You might feel the sensations of the air as it goes in and out through your nostrils. And wherever you feel your breathing easiest, let that be the place where your awareness settles. Notice it more carefully. And if you have trouble experiencing your breathing, you can put your hand on your belly, on your chest. Maybe that'll help you feel the movements there. And you might notice that there's a rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. 
of expanding and contracting. And as you exhale, you might try to let go of whatever you're thinking about. Let it float away like thought bubbles, or let it recede in the background. So in the foreground of attention, you're staying with the experience of breathing. And then ever so gently is a way of helping you, kind of encouraging you to stay with the experience of breathing, not wandering off in thought too easily. A soft whisper in your mind, say the word in as you breathe in and out as you breathe out. And as you say the word, feel in the body how your body experiences breathing. What are the sensations in your body of breathing? See if you can hang in there and ride the rhythm, breathing in and breathing out, in and out.
And when you notice the mind has wandered off in thought, <clears throat> it's enough just to notice that. And then come back to your breathing. You don't have to make a big deal of your thinking or being lost in thought. As soon as you notice that you're thinking, just notice it and begin again. Begin again with your breathing. Noticing if you're thinking, and then choosing to stay with breathing instead, no matter what you're thinking about. Relax a bit, and begin again with your breathing. And then before we end this meditation, run a little experiment and see if you can just notice what's happening for you, whatever's happening, in a non-judgmental way. Very, in a very ordinary way, recognize, oh, this is happening now, this is happening now. Certain thoughts, certain feelings, emotions, certain body sensations. What's it like to try to have non-judgmental or non-reactive noticing? It's like this right now.
And then to end the session of meditation, it's good to take a few long, slow, deep breaths. And we feel a stronger connection again with your body. A little bit like waking up the body. And then uh, when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So uh, some of those many benefits from meditation, uh, some of them come from a f- uh, not stirring ourselves up anymore. It's very easy in our lives to be busy and running and doing things and constantly you know, checking emails and whatever. And it keeps the mind activated, stim- stimulated. And the mind can be sometimes perpetually stimulated in a way that um, uh, the stress of it is not noticed. It's kind of like if you're always looking for something, say you're looking, say you're afraid, and so you're looking because you're scared, you're looking, 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 and you're so preoccupied with looking, you don't notice the strain of how you're looking. You don't notice the stress of all, you know, what that's doing for you, and your neck is going forward and all that. So when we're kind of spinning with our thoughts a lot, we don't feel and notice the cost of that all the time. And we don't notice that, you know, it's kind of exhausting or tiring. And we keep, keep it going. Part of the, one of the advantages of meditation is not the meditation itself. It's just that you sit quietly and don't do anything <laughs> for a while. And, uh, and it's nice to keep that in mind. You don't have to do a lot in meditation. Some people bring to meditation the, um, the doing... Uh, you know, operating system. Like, I have to do, I have to accomplish. Tell me a technique, A, B, and C, and I'll do it, I'll master it. You know, the, um, you know, it's not like the faster you master meditation, faster you master meditation, the better off you are. Meditation is one of those things, actually, the people who are slow to learn it sometimes, sometimes get the most benefit from it. So it's a whole other kind of whole, it's kind of like a different mindset than what's common in our society, accomplishing and doing. So just simply giving yourself time to sit quietly and close your eyes and not do is actually transformative because it kind of begins to kind of bring us back into more of the natural mind, the settled mind that is hard to have if we're always kind of busy and active. And um, the uh, one of the analogies that's we, we teach a lot in our tradition is that of a, of a uh, muddy pond. If someone, you know, goes and stirs up the mud in a pond, uh, what you do in order to have the, mon- the pond become clear again is you leave the pond alone and the mud settles. It takes a while, but it settles. In the mud. But if you uh, take a big stick and you're looking at the pond and you hope to, you know, you, you want to kind of speed up the settling 
So you take your stick and you're stirring, you know, trying to push those mud particles down or you know, whatever you're doing, you know, it just keeps it going, it keeps it going. So that's often the story of our life. We just keep going. We're just bothered by things, we're fixing, we're trying to react to it, you know, this and that. So a lot of meditation is just like stop and just let it, let it things settle, let it take their time. And so meditation, the spirit of meditation, the spirit of how we do this, looking at the breath, letting go of our thoughts, coming back, is not the spirit or the attitude of accomplishment and getting something and got to do this right. It's more like, just let's relax with this. Let's show up and be present in a simple way. So, what was it like for you, some of you, to do those about 15 minutes or so of meditation? Yes. Okay, he's going to do something real quick. He turned it off, and now he's going to turn it on. So let's see, can you hear better now? Oh, so turning it on and off made the difference. You turned off the amp. The amp. Okay, so I'm sorry that you had to live with that. I hope you heard about it. And it is helpful. It would be helpful if I turned them on. It's helpful to talk sort of directly into the top of it. It does tend to get a little softer on the edges. Okay. So, yeah. So I'd love to hear how what was like that meditation for some of you, and it'd be nice to hear a range because there's a lot of people here, and whatever your experience it was. That was you. Yes. I I could feel the tension in my body where I was tense in certain places Uh and it was magnified by... Which wasn't necessarily all a bad thing. It was just like, oh, that why yeah so you've experienced tension so it's very common for people when they have a busy life active life that uh, we, don't, we, don't, we haven't really stopped to see what's really going on for us and so sometimes down the meditate people are surprised by, oh I'm carrying all this tension in my shoulders I didn't know or in my belly I didn't know or I have all these emotions I didn't know I had all these feelings you know left over and some people get discouraged. Oh, no, this shouldn't be there. It's uncomfortable. But actually, um, it's such a healthy thing to be aware of what's happening in us that we should be celebrating when we're uncomfortable <laughs> because you're aware. Um, it's not healthy to be uncomfortable and not really aware of it. That's when people are stressed or uncomfortable. Uh, that's when the un- kind of we have the unconscious responses and reactivities to it. Um, uh, and act unwisely. But if we can really be aware of it, it allows the pond to settle. It allows attention to go. So someone else. Any questions about that? There, your experience you'd like to ask? Yeah, so if you can take the mic there. there. So I have a, a lot of back issues and things like that, and I and also like my, my feet feeling like they're falling asleep and stuff like that. And I don't know. 
I mean, I'm aware of it, but then I don't know if I should change positions, if I should just power through. Like, I don't know what to do when I, I'm aware of that because I feel like it does, just, it keeps distracting right. me from great, the breathing. Great, great, great question. So the, um, we'll talk more about, I'll talk more about uh, the body and working with body pains next week. Um, the, for, for now, especially the first week, um, if you start feeling at all discouraged or a little challenged with the discomfort, it's fine to move. Just adjust your posture and take care of it. Uh, over time, when you meditate, you want to learn how to, uh, slowly to learn the skill, the ability to be relaxed and present for discomfort. So, but until you, it takes a while to learn that. And, un- and until, that, until you learn it, uh, you don't want to kind of push power through it. That's not so useful. If you have a back condition, you want to be very careful you don't aggravate it. And so uh, part of the advantage of mindfulness is you notice the, the, the pain in your back and then you pay enough attention to it first to know whether it's going to be injurious. And if you have any, sense, any idea or any sense that, yes, it's going to make it worse, please change your posture and move. With the legs falling asleep, um, uh, that's a very common experience for people who are new to sitting this way in a cross-legged position. It usually goes away after a few weeks. It takes a little while to kind of do. And um, the most important thing to say is that a couple important things. One is um, don't stand up quickly. (laughs) Wait until you get your sensation back. Massage your foot and all that. And generally it's the blood that's being, circulation's being cut. And so if the the sensation comes back and within a couple of minutes, that's fine. If it takes uh, more, uh, more than that, it takes four or five minutes for a sensation to come back, then the chances are pretty good that you're uh, pinching a nerve. And it's very rare, but it happens occasionally. You never want to pinch a nerve. So you never want to sit that way again that's going to do that kind of numbness um, if, it, you know, if it takes that long to, for the sensation to come back. And, you're, you're, and, and as soon as you're uncomfortable with your legs the way they are, you can always change your posture. And if you're sitting cross-legged, um, a nice kind of a way of changing your posture is to bring up your knees to your chest like this and just wrap your arms around your knees like this and, and take a break. Yeah, yeah, it's all okay. Yes? Uh, what do you do about swallowing like yeah. during the meditation? If you, feel like swa- if you feel like swallowing, you're welcome to swallow. Just be... <laughs> I, 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 th- I guess I... I tried not to and then it was very distracting yeah yeah sometimes trying to avoid something is more distracting than just (laughs) than being relaxed about it so um, so I I would you know uh, I would just be relaxed about it and and hopefully you know it becomes kind of like a relaxed thing to swallow if you need to Um, occasionally um, there's a some kind of physiological thing that happens to a few people where they start salivating a lot more when they meditate. And that's usually a phase they go through. It's not like a permanent thing. And so you might have to swallow a lot more, and you might feel it's distracting, but it's probably just a, a phase and you need to, go, need to go through, and it's all okay. Over here in the back, yes. Um. As you, as you predicted, I had quite a few thoughts, and um, I noticed them. I, I became kind of, I thought they were kind of fascinating and interesting. Is there anything more that I can do than just notice them? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, don't get too interested in them. 
so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, fascination, too much fascination and interest in your thoughts will just keep you involved in them and going. It's okay to be interested, but um, uh, you don't have to get involved in your interest. You know, don't, don't, don't feed it, don't like, oh, great, let's, look, look, you know, let's write the big, great American novel here or something. Some people, uh, so, so um, um, what's, what is nice to do with thinking is uh, no, don't try to think in meditation. You will think, but don't make it a project and get involved and, because you're having great thoughts like, wow, this is like the best thought I've had all day. I'm going to stay with it. I don't want to lose this. Um, uh, what you can do, which is nice, is uh, you know, having reflective time in our life is very important. Having a kind of a high-quality time where we really sit down, just really think in a deep, relaxed way. Um, ordinary everyday life for some people there's not really a high quality time for thinking some people find going for a walk provides that Um, but after meditation is sometimes a good time to think and go get a cup of tea and go sit in the window and and just kind of let your mind begin to kind of do whatever thinking needs to happen or wants to happen Uh, can be very nice but don't do it try not not to actively be involved in your thinking or interested in your thoughts in meditation at the same time you don't have to fight it either Yes. Falling asleep. Yeah, it's pretty easy, um, especially this time of day. And uh, I think a lot of Americans uh, are, uh, need sleep more than meditation. <laughs> We're kind of a sleep-deprived culture. So you know that's something you might want to look at. But this time of day, it's a little bit hard. So some people find it's easier to meditate in the morning early, uh, when they're fresh, or early in the morning, but after they had their coffee and shower. You know, different people, different rhythms work uh, for it. Um, and um, and uh, so if it's tiredness, you have to take care of the tiredness or find a way to work around it, like meditating in the morning or something. There are other reasons why people are tired in meditation. Um, you know, if um, a baby, uh, I don't know if you've seen a, a babies when they get overstimulated, sometimes go asleep. It's kind of a way of protecting themselves. Uh, grown-ups get, uh, do, will do that too. Um, if we get if there's too much going on or too much stress, uh, sometimes the system shuts down. Sometimes it's a way of recovering, and that uh, and some people don't give themselves a chance to do that until they sit down to meditate. And so uh, that's one reason why people fall asleep is because of the si- overload in the system. And finally, they you know they sit down, they quiet down. Uh, some people uh, fall asleep in meditation because the only other just a habit. The only other time they ever close their eyes for this long of a length of time is to fall asleep. And so it's just a habit, and over time that habit will be broken. So you'll see. Um, so a few things you might do. Uh, you could open your eyes, and there's a long tradition of meditating with the eyes open. And uh, when you do that, it's usually 45 degrees down, looking at you know nothing in particular. Uh, and that's, just looking your, having your eyes open might be enough to keep you awake. Hello. Um, I use uh, Dr. Uh, Zen. Or John Kabat Zinn. I use sleep, uh, not sleep, but lay down meditation. Uh-huh. So we're talking about falling asleep, yeah. right, during a sit up. Yeah. Um, do you offer the laying down? I mean, do you 
it's all the same, right? Mindfulness. Yeah, up. mindfulness can be done in any posture at all. It can be done laying down. There's, there's said to be four dignified postures: uh-huh. um, standing, sitting, lying down, and walking. And um, but generally, we don't encourage. We slightly discourage people from lying down in meditation for, for only for because the reason it's really easy to fall asleep, and it's easy to kind of drift off. And there's uh, some so there's more intentionality and effort and engagement in the present moment if you're sitting upright. But uh, there are people who find that they sleep. Uh, uh, my co-teacher here at IMC, her name is Andrea Fella, and she has a back injury. And uh, she uh, sometimes, uh, in front of everyone teaching, she lays down here and lays does her meditation lying down. She's become a master uh, med- uh, lying down meditator. And if you want to talk to someone who really knows how to do it, you talk to Andrea. So it can be done. It's well, I do it at sleep time. Oh, sleep in order to fall asleep. No, um, oh. because I can pay more attention. Sure, it sure, it's great. I like it. It's great. very yes. relaxing, and then I do fall asleep. <coughs> But uh, I, I just wondered. So you have the opinion. I can't hear you. Oh, so you, your opinion is that it's preferable to sit up. It's, it's you know what's you know what's even more preferable is um, what you're doing is great. Keep doing it, and during the day, sit up and meditate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do both. Okay, thanks. So you get the benefits of both. Okay, thank you. The outer hall, you haven't forgotten you <laughs> out there. Is it? Is the mic? Where's the other mic now? Right there. Steve, Steve has it. Steve, pass it out to the outer hall. You said breathe normally, and generally I kind of breathe very Can you hold shallow, it closer? Shallow uh, breaths. Yeah. So I was kind of wondering whether it doesn't matter if it's shallow breaths or great question. Great question. So a normal breath is the breath that you're uh, kind of unselfconsciously just happen to breathe. So you're not making any special. It is nothing. Don't make any special effort to like a yogic breathing or something. And um, and some people notice that their breath is shallow for all kinds of reasons. And you know some people who kind of maybe. <coughs> kind of grew up in California and Esalen is just down the coast and the whole humanistic psychology movement, you're supposed to have a deep, relaxed, big breath and that's how you're cool. And so I think that's where it's at. The, um, where it's at is just, where it's at for us in the mindfulness kind of practice is where it's at, you just notice the breath you have. And if your breath is tight and constricted, don't worry about it. Just notice that and the pond will settle. Uh, some people find that they uh, uh, find themselves controlling the breath sometimes, and they go, "I'm not supposed to control the breath. I'm a control freak." Um, that's fine. Uh, what this is a noticing practice. So rather than being concerned about your controlling the breath, if you can't stop controlling it, please do. But if you can't stop, um, just be con- just relax. Just notice that, and that that becomes the place where you develop the mindfulness. You can develop mi- mindfulness can get stronger on a constricted, tight, controlled breath, just as well as a relaxed breath. The breath doesn't matter so much. But don't make any extra special effort to breathe in some special way. So Steve, here in the, here in the front now. Uh, 
I guess it's not really a question, but you asked like earlier, like observations of yeah, what you please. thought of that yes, little yes. fifteen twenty minute meditation, and I didn't realize how many thoughts can go into my head in fifteen minutes. But there are times where I felt the mindfulness, and I don't think I was falling asleep. But once I felt that letting go, I felt like a, I felt scared. Not startled like when you fall asleep at work, but, <laughs> but I felt scared. And then I actually kind of jumped out of like, my seat a little bit. Yeah. And I don't, I'm, I don't think I've ever felt that before. Yes. So there's a lot of unusual things that can happen when we meditate. And this is like a little bit unusual. I mean, I'm not, it's all normal. It's like all kinds of things can happen because what's really profound in this practice here is learning how to be at ease with what shows it shows up for you when you meditate. So fear, fear came up for you. So rather than being alarmed by the fear, the practice is to notice, oh, I'm afraid. How can I be, be at ease with that? How can I just be present for that? How can I not succumb to the old patterns of uh, this, something's wrong with me, something's wrong, I have to fix it, um, this shouldn't be, whatever. Just to notice, oh, this, 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 this is fear. It's present now. And then remember the story about the pond settling. It's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's really good to see it. It's really good that it's happening. Uh, Because probably what's happening is that uh, we live with layers. If we're constantly living in the surface mind and being busy and running around doing things, we're not really noticing what's going on, operating under the surface for us. And then as we begin to meditate, and the mind be, surface mind quiets down, then we start discovering what the underlying layers that's been unattended to, sometimes for decades. And sometimes they can be quite surprising. Uh, sometimes surprising because they're difficult. There's underlying layer of fear that might be there, anger that might be there. And sometimes it's uh, under, underlying layers of love and peace that uh, people have lost touch with. There are people who uh, haven't had a certain degree of peace or joy or love since they were a child. And then when they start meditating, as the kind of surface mind quiets down, they tap into that reservoir that they even think, oh, I remember now, I used to have this thing. So, so I'm trying to just say, uh, it's, uh, it's not a bad thing that happened to you. It's something to just uh, notice and relax with. Does that make sense? Maybe this can be the last one, and then I'll say a few words. Uh, is there any uh, recommendation, like 15 minutes, half an hour, or how long ever we can hold on, uh, or we can focus our attention to uh, is enough, or is any recommendation around that? is how, how long to practice and meditate at home. Yeah. Great. Well, this is perfect. So that's exactly where I wanted to go next. So thank you for the segue to it. So, um, <clears throat> so I think that you'll get the most out of this these five weeks if you meditate every day at home or most days at home in the week in between. And there's a handout, this yellow sheet of paper, 
It kind of reviews some of the instru- little instructions I gave today about the, the especially breathing. It gives some of the rationale for why it's useful to meditate with the breath. And, um, and to start, start developing that. Kind of do it every day. And uh, as you do it over the next six days, uh, you get familiar with it, you understand yourself better, you kind of maybe settle into it a little better. And then it'll it create a better foundation for you to understand the instructions for next week. And um, um, so I, I think the course works best that way. I'm also hoping that uh, uh, in offering this, that what I teach here on Wednesday evenings, that um, you'll find something useful in these teachings even if you don't never meditate. Uh, so you're not required to meditate to do this course. Um, because the meditation is, you know, it's, it's mindfulness doesn't require meditation. Um, so I'm hoping some of these principles as you go into it, learning how to pay attention in its heightened way will be useful in other ways, some of the ideas that I say. Um, what I recommend is that uh, you begin a short period of time every week. And I, uh, in the handout, there's some kind of suggestions of how long you sit. I think it's about 20 minutes the first week and um, 20 minutes a day. And then what's nice is that for the next, you know, maybe a couple of weeks after that, is to add five minutes each week. So maybe after the third week, you're doing 30 minutes. And then you can decide whether to, that's a good length of time, you want to go back to 20 minutes, or you want to keep adding five and building. I usually said 45 minutes is my standard length of time for meditation. The, um, um, but, you know, it has to work for your life. People have busy lives and all kinds of issues going on. And so it could be that tw- even 20 minutes is too long to meditate. So be content with 15 if that's all you can do, if that all feels right. And if that's too much, be content with 10. And if that's too much, be content with 5. And if you, uh, don't, you can't really find time to sit for 5 minutes, uh, then be content getting yourself into the posture. Take some time and get yourself into a meditation posture and then close your eyes and then get up and do your life. <laughs> uh, but there's something that happens by, by just taking the posture that's actually uh, meaningful for the whole system. But I, I recommend, you know, start with 20 minutes. Can I just ask a Yeah. Um, it sounds like timing anything would be actually hypothetical to being mindful and in the moments. Like, are supposed to set a timer? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so, yeah. So, so, so what you, uh, it's, it's good to set a timer. And now people have timers, you know, they, we're walking timers now with our phones. <laughs> and, uh, and so you can just set your phone. Uh, on our website, uh, IMC's website, there's a, a meditation timer, it's called. I think it's called meditation timer. Or there's also an app called Insight uh, Timer. You can get these apps, apps you know, you, and so, you, so you put this app on your phone and it has a very nice bell. That, you know, very nice. Not even nicer than this one. Um, so, you know, it's nice to have that. But just set a timer. That's what you want to do. And, um, and then watch your mind. Because uh, sometimes when we sit down to meditate, when you're new and familiar with all this, your mind, your mind has amazing tricks. And one of the, you know, the, your mind will decide that um, something really, really important has come up while you're meditating, something that really needs your attention while you have to get up, like the, the freezer has to be defrosted now. <laughs> and you can't wait. 
So be careful with what the mind tells you and the, you know, the, the authority of these, you know, the, the freezer, you know, the authority of the email, the authority of, you know, like, and um, it's, uh, some people find it helpful to have the same time every day they meditate, so there's a regularity. There's something about this, meditating the same time in the same place that helps the system kind of uh, settle in faster. It gets used to it, it's familiar, it's... Some people find that it's nice to take, um, uh, to do it early in the morning before the world picks up. There's something about the quietness before the world kind of starts up that supports the whole movement of meditation. Some people, however, find that they're better off meditating at night, in the evening, or late afternoon. So you have to find what your rhythm is, what works for you. But if, you know, morning is, the long tradition, the morning is a nice time. Uh, it's nice to have a place where you meditate that you only associate with meditation. So, if, um, you know, if, uh, if you meditate in front of your TV, there's other associations, right? And, but if you meditate like in a corner in your bedroom where nothing much else goes on, then that place maybe is the, you know, is, you, know you go there and it's like, it feels like your special place, where you, your place where you can go and meditate and just be with yourself. Um, the, um, so this handout, the yellow handout, not only has you know the, some review of the instructions and some teachings about the breathing, um, but it also has uh, some exercises you could do this first week. Um, because it has some of these, some of the exercises that have to do with developing mindfulness in daily life. And if you do little exercises to d- develop your heighten your capacity to be aware in daily life, then uh, you uh, that'll come also support you in your meditation practice. You start to get a feel for what it's like to be attentive and present, as opposed to business as usual in the mind wandering around do, doing what it does. And um, so choose a very simple ordinary activity, maybe even just once, or maybe regularly for a few days, that you try to do it where you don't, we try to really be present for the experience and not have your mind thinking about what's next or racing through it or reviewing the day, having a conversation in your head. Just simply brush your teeth and be fully there with brushing your teeth. Kind of like it's the most important and valuable thing in the world at that moment. And you don't want to miss that experience. Maybe like you paid a thousand dollars for an opportunity to brush your teeth that day and you don't want to miss it, right? You know, you, you know, you blew your thousand dollars at the pit, you know. So just really be there to savor it. So, so choose some ordinary, very simple ordinary activity and see if you could do that, you know, really be there. and See what that's, experiment. No, remember, it's a noticing practice. So you notice what it's like when you try to really be present. And, um, and then you might also choose something like once during the week. If you're standing in line someplace, um, practice standing meditation. Uh, you don't have to close your eyes, but just try to be in your posture and stand in a balanced, full way. And just rather than reading the National, National Enquirer, standing in this, to, you know, or judging why they're, why are they buying that? Um, <laughs> you know, just stand there and just kind of be fully present in your experience for yourself and see what that's like. See what, how it's different than how it would normally be standing in line or something. It's fun to do this kind of mindful stuff. It's interesting. So, is there anything else I should say? So.
So let's end with a very short meditation. And so there's, this is a variation. Normally in our meditation tradition, we use the breath as the foundation, coming back to the breathing. But sometimes it's nice to uh, not use the breathing, but to use uh, sounds instead. Sounds only happen in the present moment for us. And so you can use sounds as a reminder, come back and be present, be here with the sound. Also with sounds, you can't really control the sounds. <laughs> you can't like fix them or manipulate them or you know, get a better sound, you know, like you can try to get a better breath or something. It's just a sound, is just there. And so this is a, a little bit, it's called a listening meditation. So close your eyes. And take a few long, slow, deep breaths and settle into your body. Relax and as you exhale, relax. And then let your breathing return to normal. And then bring your attention to your head, the area between your ears, place of your brain perhaps. And just feel what's there. And if you feel nothing, that's okay. Just kind of feel that area. And then as you exhale, relax. Relax the thinking muscle. Relax in your head. Soften the mind. And in the space of your mind, become aware of sounds around you. You can hear the sound of my voice that comes and goes. Sound of traffic when it comes and goes. And don't don't strain to listen, but rather be open to listen. Let sounds appear. Don't go to them, let them come to you. Let the sound of this bell come to you.
And then as always, the heart of this practice of mindfulness is simply to notice. And what is it that's useful to notice now? What's happening for you? And what's it like simply to notice it without a lot of commentary? What is there to notice for you? And then to end this sitting, you can take a couple of deep breaths. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So thank you for coming.